to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio is supported by Glenn's Garden Market, a local grocery store, deli, and craft beer bar with stores in Dupont Circle at 20th and S Streets and Shaw at 8th and Florida. Good food from close by. For more information, visit glensgardenmarket.com. Hey, welcome to The Leap, coming to you live from the Line Hotel in Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Gordon. I own a small business, Gordy's Pickle Jar, and one of my favorite things about being a small business owner is talking with and learning from other entrepreneurs. And every Wednesday, I get to have these conversations on air by bringing together small business owners from a wide range of disciplines to share stories, tips, and advice. And on today's show, I'm super excited to chat with Doran Peterson, the owner of nearly 20-year-old vegan bakery and cafe, Sticky Fingers, and the newly opened Farewell Bistro. She's also a two-time winner of Cupcake Wars and a cookbook author, basically an all-around badass. Hey, Doran. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Welcome, and happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, before we talk shop, I wanted to chat a little bit about the road that led you here. I feel like we have to go back to your teens because you started Sticky Fingers when you were what, like in your early 20s? Yeah, I was like 12. <laughs> um, so Actually, it was my uh, 30th birthday. It was right around when we opened. So that's when we opened our brick and mortar. Um, I mean, I'm totally giving away my age right now. <laughs> I'm exactly 45 and four weeks and... <laughs> So, uh, so, so you were doing Sticky Fingers for like how long before you guys opened the Columbia Heights brick and mortar? So we were working on it for about a year and a half, about, you know, two years, give or take. It's, I have the start date as 1999 because that's when we started selling stuff kind of, you know, on the sly and making things in the kitchen and testing out things on people. But, um, we, it, you know how it, you're waiting and nothing happens and then it all happens at once. Right. Right. So that's how it happens all the time in every single scenario of, of how business gets started. So I was talking about it for like a year and I was making people food and they're offering me money for it. And I was about to graduate from university of Maryland. I went to school for nutrition dietetics where I took food science classes, which is kind of what inspired the, Oh, let's get in the kitchen and figure out how to make better cake. That's vegan <coughs> because at the time there was nothing good in the area. Right. Uh, so it was my responsibility to feed people. Um, so it all happened very quickly where somebody was like, oh, here's a little bit of startup cash. Oh, there's this space available. Oh, look, here's a oven. And it just kind of fell together. So it was October of 2002 when we opened our doors and the concept kind of started and was worked on from 99 until then. Awesome. So, so outside of wanting to feed people healthy, delicious cupcakes and such, um, you have a real passion about saving animals' lives mm-hmm. and this whole animal aspect. So, like, how'd you, how'd that all come about? So, uh, I became interested in animal welfare and animal rights issues. Um, working at a veterinarian's office, I was in New York, not really sure what I wanted to do. Young, piss and vinegar working in restaurants, <clears throat> causing problems. Um, and uh, I was also working at the shelter, the animal shelter there. I realized that becoming a veterinarian was going to be really, really hard. That's a lot of school, and I don't have that much patience. I can't focus for that long. Um, and working in the shelter was really affected me. Um, 
and I was working with people who had kind of the same passion. Of course, there were people there who was like just their job because it's a union job in New York. But there were other people there. They're like, no, this was their mission to like help end the amount of suffering and injustice that happens to animals. And so it just clicked for me. And I was at the veterinarian's office that I was working at. And I got to witness my very first surgery. And the inside of this little dog looked exactly like my chicken. So the musculature was the same and similar. And that was where everything switched for me. So I quickly became vegan. Well, like a day later became vegan. First, I ate everything that I could. Because I thought I was going to miss food. And I love food. And I was sad about it. I was angry and depressed that I was going to give up all of these wonderful things that I grew up on. So... I started making them myself. Awesome. So, I mean, starting kind of a vegan bakery, um, you know, concept back in 1999, <laughs> 2000 was like way before yeah. like, you know, vegan time. So what was it, what was it like, you know, creating this vegan space it was before vegan was kind of trendy. It was stupid. It was <laughs> dumb. I mean, everybody was like, don't do that. How? My grandfather was like, don't make it taste like cardboard. And how are you going to afford this? Because nobody's going to eat this crap. True. You're probably right, Grandpa. Thanks. So you just have to cover everything in sugar and make it smell like cinnamon and chocolate. And basically trick people. So that was where the name Sticky Fingers came from. Because it was kind of sly. But at the end of the day, a cookie's a cookie. And... A cupcake's a cupcake. So when people see that, they're like, oh, yum. And then you're like, hey, this is made without eggs and dairy, and it totally can be done. It's about the chemistry and the ingredients, not necessarily just eggs and sugar and flour. Like, yes, those are all important components, but it's not just about the dairy and eggs. So when you so you weren't like shouting from the rooftops that these are like vegan cupcakes. One hundred percent, absolutely not. Right, <laughs> right, right. But now you are. I mean, right? Because it's there's kind of like an advantage to. Yes and no. No. Um, I think that it's it's one of those things that's trending. It's trendy and people want to eat more vegan food. But there's still a lot of confusion when you use the word vegan. And there's still a lot of like, oh, I don't need to eat that today. Or I don't want to eat that today. Or I don't need to eat vegan. That's not what I want to do. And meanwhile, people are eating vegan accidentally all the time now. But yeah, I mean, eat, for whenever, whenever I eat vegan, I feel amazing. Well, I mean... Unless I feed you cookies and soda. Right. 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 So I think that that's still where the kind of, you know, issues lie is that it's, it's about a different style of eating that you're, than you're necessarily used to, but just drawing the line at vegan and saying like, I am vegan, I am not vegan, or I am eating vegan at this meal, or I am not eating vegan at this meal. It can get, you know, complicated and tricky for people. And then they just, they feel like putting the label on it is too much. So that's why we went with um, veggie-centric comfort food at Farewell to try and break down, um, you know, all of the negativity that comes with the word vegan. I mean, an apple's vegan, Oreos are vegan, juice is vegan, pasta's vegan, right? But you don't think about it like that. Water's vegan. Right. Yeah. (laughs) People don't think about it like that. They think like, oh, this is my vegan meal with a vegan option for protein. Well, I think when people think about... Um, like eating vegan, they think about the things that they need to cut out to to do that, and then they, you know, that scares them. It's like, sure. how could I ever cut out, you know, cheese or it's terrifying? Right? It's horrible. Right. It's pure. I mean, it's an addictive food. I mean, we are controlled by our palates and our wants and our needs. So, how how did you like get the buzz about sticky fingers? And you created this business, and now you're 
you know, like how did you start spreading the word and how, how did everything like catch on for Man. Sticky Fingers to kind of become what it is today? Sticky Fingers back in the day, it was if you were vegan, you knew it was vegan. If you were walking by, you could smell the sticky buns baking and you would come in. So it grew. We're also being in D.C., um, we didn't have to do any marketing or outreach because it's just vibrant here and people will come to you and look for, for filler for their media outlets. So we ended up in a lot of... You got tons of media. Tons yeah. of media in the Which beginning. And we were one of the first to do it. So we were weird. We were these... You know, my business partner at the time, we kind of looked alike. Brown hair. Yeah, long you're like punk hair. rockers. She wasn't. She's just like a normal kid from L.A. She's a rocker rocker now, actually. She... Right. She, she, you guys she, split up because she yeah. went to go... She left me for a for band. Her band. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so, I mean... There's something kind of nice about starting a business in your 20s. I mean, because you kind of just have no idea what you're getting into. Oh, dumb as rocks. Yeah. And you just have like excitement. You're naive and you just like make this jump. It never would have gotten off the ground if I did my homework and I had a, you know, master's in small business. I never would have done it. I never would have taken the jump. It was too much of a risk. Um, Too much work. It's right. Because you just think about all the shit that you need to do. And it's just. I mean, still. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But um, then, then we expanded. <laughs> we expanded and took out a big fat loan and then expanded again, took out a big fat loan. So I never learned my lesson. I just keep taking risks. So um, like, did you have any mentors when you first started? Not when I first started, but quickly after. I call them the little business guardian angels. We had people that... I was working in bars and also working in gyms. So in the morning, I would teach classes and do personal training. And then at night, I would work in bars. And then during the day, I would create this business um, and I met a lot of people doing that. And one of the people that I met was the uh, one of the CFOs for Reuters. And they had just had a big, big, huge amount of layoffs. And he was bored. So he came and played in our business for a year and set up our entire infrastructure. So that was my ongoing lesson in business and finance. I mean, I had no clue before that. I didn't take, I took one, maybe one business class at University of Maryland. The rest was you know, nutrition and how to run a hospital. <laughs> so then, I mean, you just started to after, you know, you, you were meeting people and then you were just kind of like asking for help along the way. All the time. Yeah. Now to the point where I'm like desperate and people run away from me because I'm constantly like, wait, 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 I have questions. Yeah, right. So there have been a lot of people that I've um, kind of connected with over the years where they've really just taken us under their wing and helped and then I've, you know, sucked the life out of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I always say like one thing that, you know, that I wish I had done sooner was ask for help. Cause I feel like I was always trying to figure out things on my own or, you know, with my business partner, Sheila. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, listen, there's so many people, so much, so many people out there smarter than me that I could get advice from that could help me. And networking I, is real. I, I we underestimate yeah, that. Right. I need to ask for help. I mean, look at, look at where you and I have been, right? So when you first started, that was when the book was coming out and you were just starting the pickles. And the way that I found out about it was at, um, Megan Bryan's wedding. Oh, right. And then I did an article with BYT and they were like, what's in her fridge? And it was the pickles. Yeah. So I I think that that picture's so great. You with baby Ezra. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, baby. But, you know, and then as soon as you started being able to distribute and kind of get the word out, we, it's your friends and family first that are going to support you. I think people forget that. Like that's the organic growth of it. Yeah. So you, so how long did you have the first store? Like how long have you, how did, how long did you have sticky fingers before you made the jump to two stores with farewell? Uh, sticky finger. Well, we moved, right? So we were in a tiny little place in Adams Morgan and we moved in 2006 
So it was 10 years before I was able to really get everything together to open another store and figure out what I wanted to do and the finances and all that stuff. So you were like, you were ready to make the, make the leap from, from one to two. I was ready a year after we opened Sticky Fingers. <laughs> um, I've always been looking at spaces and options and buying everything from buying a building to, you know, just what, what and where I've always wanted to figure out how to expand, but not exactly sure how to do it. So I've done some wholesale. I've, you know, we've done pop-ups, we've done different outreach with kind of, you know, local resale partners. Um, and so my answer is like to do it all really. I don't know if I wanted another brick and mortar. This restaurant's really kicked my butt. Yeah. How, how was it going from like one, one restaurant to two restaurants? Well, the bakery cafe is it just runs differently. Um, it has different hours, different wants and needs. And then going from the, and I worked in a lot of restaurants, but going from a bakery into a restaurant, it's completely different, completely different. The hours are different. The, uh, you know, plan of attack is different. The personnel is different. And, um, it was a lot, it's always a lot more than you expect, right? It's always different, but Having those two stores together, we had a lot of churn in the very beginning. I had a lot of turnover with um, staff who was really maybe committed to a small business or committed to the vegan side or committed to me and then realized like, oh, this is really what opening a restaurant is. This is not just like, oh, we're going to continue Sticky Fingers. I mean, it is, you've opened restaurants. I mean, you're just, it's, it's war. It is war for four months, five months, six months until you can get it to start, you know, stabilizing. Um, so that was... And how long has Farewell been open huge now? Huge reality. A year and a half. So look, Congrats. I'm here today. Yeah, I'm yep, not there. Yep. yep. That's yeah. awesome. I know it's walking. Every once in a while it falls and scrapes its knee, but yeah, it's doing well. So what, so what are like some of the big challenges there for you? Well, I think it's pretty... I mean, oh my gosh. I mean, I can complain all day, but <laughs> <laughs> I think the hardest thing about this city is how our density isn't there, but the... Uh, if you want to do business here, you're going to have to pay a lot in rent. And the cost of your footprint is huge. And that's just... And then you're fighting for like dollars in the door, right? Fighting yeah. for the dollars. Yeah, where H Street is, you know, we invested in there early on. So it's it's been growing. Very In the very beginning, it definitely was not there. And our we have a small landlord or a private landlord, I should say. Not like a big company. And so he really worked with us to make sure that, you know, we were getting what we needed in the beginning. Um and then there's more flexibility when you have a, a private landlord. Um, but still, it's a challenge. I have a landlord. And, uh, I mean, just the, the noise now. There's so many more places. Yeah, it's really incredible to see what, what D.C.'s become. And, it's you crazy. Know, when yeah. I first moved here, there was, like, uh, a few, like, Greek restaurants, and that was it. And there was nothing else. There was nothing else to eat. Yeah. We, were we had some Ethiopian restaurants. Yes, we did. What else do we have? Some McDonald's. Uh, yeah. We it's had really some Burrito become, Brothers. It's really become a dynamic landscape. And, um, you know, every day I'm like, I feel like we need more people to move here to support all of these new restaurants. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty and the curse of capitalism, I guess. Like, we're all competing. But we are also a really small and supportive community. So, I'm... I like doing business here. I like working with the other businesses. H Street is amazing. Columbia Heights has been amazing with the, you know, just the support from the residents and the other businesses. Um, so I think that we're really lucky that it is still a small town. 
but still the density needs to be here instead of being four stories we need to be like you know 30 right imagine having all of your clientele in one building above your head <laughs> that'd be nice that'd be nice yeah we'd miss some of that view of the monument yeah who cares but <laughs> um so what advice or tips would you give someone that's trying to like enter the restaurant world for the first time like what would i do differently yeah, and what, what what tips would you give them? I mean, what would you, you know, what what, what were things you wish that Run you, <laughs> no, what what were things that you wish you had done or had known prior to? Well, I think with both starting Sticky Fingers and less so with Farewell, uh, Sticky Fingers, I just had no idea what was needed to run a business. So you really do need somebody to help you with that, like business structure and understanding. And I feel like where the culture 20, 25 years ago that that wasn't part of the kind of focus of the culture that during that time, during that age, right? Like our generation during that time. And I think that there's much more of that now and there's much more importance um, that is given to the structure and the foundation rather than the passion, right? So if your passion is to bake cake, you probably shouldn't open a business. You should probably find a partner who wants to open a business and you should bake cake. Uh, I never, luckily, I always wanted to. Or if you have a passion to bake cake and you want to start a business then just know that you have to learn some other yeah yeah you, you know, definitely fundamental skills in order to sustain exactly. your business but you're not going to be making cake in your business for much longer right like it just artisan hands-on um you know as you know it stops at a certain point and that's okay and if you you want to do that that's great that's awesome and there's important that serves an important purpose in our community but so many people do want to expand and grow um and if you want to do that, you have to acknowledge that it's a business. So that was a big, giant wake-up call for me when I was 30 years old. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to do math. So I've spent my you know, past 20 years really just getting into the business and the, the business side of, of restaurant world and food world. What would you say, like, raising capital was a big challenge? or? Yeah, I did loans. Um, so one of the reasons that it took me a while with sticky fingers are a little bit longer than I think other people, I don't have um, a large amount of investors. I have a few like small friends and family and then my own savings over the years. I can really live on some noodles and rice and so (laughs) save a lot of money and not spend much. Um, so I waited until I had buying power. So buying power was one of the things I was like, ooh, it, yes, it's like one giant credit card. <laughs> but if you want to be your own boss and you want to grow your own program without really having to play with others, I mean, I like working in teams. I like it, but I had a, a few instances where I would look to expand with somebody and they were like, well, if it's not going well, we can always start serving milk or we can add cheese or we can add meat. And I was like, you know what? I, for this mission-based business, I want to have a little bit more control. So I have to be careful of the people that I'm going to take on. And So I, you pretty much just have like the few people that you right. do have investing in your company are like silent investors. Pretty much, yes. Yeah. And, and that was for me then, right? Not to say that you can't do it and there aren't people doing it really well. Also, being vegan and being a smaller kind of underdog, quieter. I mean, I'm not quiet, but you know what I mean? Like less pork. <laughs> Pork has been really popular and meat's been really popular. So, 
you know, leading up to this, you know, five years ago, like where, where were people investing in? What type of restaurants were people investing in? Um, also who am, you know, kind of who am I around? Who, who do I spend a lot of my time with? Who are my mentors? Right. And for me, it's a lot of people that are mission based and not necessarily financially driven, right. Money based. So I think that you have to think about that. Like you have to surround yourself with people who want to invest in what you're doing and invest in the, the larger infrastructure. Yeah. Believe in the mission. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you, do you feel like the like changing landscape of DC in terms of, you know, more vegan restaurants coming? Like has that, um, restaurant, what's it? Fancy Radish. And the other one from Philly. That's um, the other one. Oh. So Fancy Radish, is, they're both, okay, so Hip City Veg opened a couple of years ago. They're from Philly. And then Fancy Radish is opening soon, and they are also on H Street, and they are all vegan. And they are the people who created Veg oh, and V right, Street okay. and Whiz Kids. They are both um, James Beard nominated. It's a husband and wife team. They are awesome. They have been doing vegan restaurants since, I mean, long, it had to be before I started. So that's really exciting, right? I'm really excited. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, of course there's, you know, there's fear and competition, but that's what keeps us kind of, you know, keep, keep us going. Right on your toes. But I'm you keep on innovating and I'm so excited. I'm so happy because there's every single place now or offers something vegan, right? And I feel like they're doing it to stay fresh and compete with um, other places like mine, but also because that's what people want. And I'm so excited to have another place that is 100% vegan, that is sit-down restaurant. It's what everybody has been asking for. It's what we have needed in this city to kind of just show people what we're doing and that what we're doing is real. It's real food and it's a real business. Right. And it's good. Yep. Delicious. (laughs) Um, And they don't just serve fancy radishes. We're going to take a short break. I'm here with Doran, Doran Peterson from Sticky Fingers Bakery, and we will be back shortly. Support for The Leap and Full Service Radio comes from Glenn's Garden Market, a climate progress motivated grocery store, deli, and craft beer bar with stores in DuPont Circle at 20th and S Streets and Shaw at 8th in Florida and DC. Glenn's addressing climate change by improving access to local sustainable food producers. In five years, they've launched 80 small local food businesses. It's good food from close by. Glenn'sGardenMarket.com. For those of you listening, welcome back. I'm here with Doran Peterson from Sticky Fingers Bakery, and we are talking about some advice and tips that she would give people wanting to enter the restaurant world. Um, so she just gave a handful. Um, any other ones that you have for for the listeners? Um, oh, my gosh. I could go on forever. Yeah, right? I mean, I think... I mean, you've done such a great job. I mean, to have a, you know, I mean, 20 years basically 
is an enormous amount of time for a business to be still relevant and still, you know, yeah. alive and well and kicking it and doing great things. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're thriving. Yeah. Um, I don't know if other people who would, who are just, um, you know, profit motivated yeah. would have stuck it out as long as I have. <laughs> I feel like you've done a great job of like kind of diversifying, you know, I mean, you've, you have a cookbook, you, you know, have done a lot of TV and winning cupcake wars had to be like a great influx of. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was the customers and put us just, on the map. Right. And I think it did a lot for um, vegan baking and opened up some doors for some other people. Yeah. And at one point, right. You so, like, South Koreans came over. Oh, they, yeah. you, did you do like a <clears throat> annex there or something? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. Uh, we uh, licensed our concept to a group in Seoul, and they a little bit before their time. Was, distribution is always an issue, you know, really getting what you want um, and what you need. And we still have we still battle with that, like just finding the ingredients that we need on a regular basis. Um, and they had that even more so. Um, so they were, I think they were open for like six years. And they had a, like a standalone shop and then a bunch of different outlets kind of all over the city. It's crazy. So, I mean, you, so you guys have, I mean, as a brand really have kind of have your fingers in a lot of stuff. Like, are you still doing wholesale or I actually stopped wholesale once again, distribution issues. If anybody really cares to talk about it, it's very fascinating. Once you get into the it world of distribution yeah. and, uh, Wholesale is a beast in its own. It is, own right. and why you can get certain things and not others. Um, there's a huge, as you know, going from small to medium is near impossible. So you go from small to extra big, and and the the leap is huge and it's really expensive. So when you have like a, you're hitting a couple of you know Whole Foods in your area and Glen's Garden and um, maybe some moms and yes and you're you're doing okay. And then in order to go with a distribution company, the risk is on you. Uh, you have to insure your product. And um, I've heard a lot of horror stories. So there's not like this, you know, next step of distribution where you can start going a little bit further out and like maybe hit Baltimore and Philly and New York. No, it's like either the entire East Coast, you know, up to Ohio and Kentucky or nothing. Yeah, it's big decisions you have to make. I remember when Fresh Market picked us up, it was like we asked, like they picked us up nationally and we were like, can we just start regionally um and it was like either you know national or or nothing nothing. um and that we were just like oh really because i mean we thought it'd be great to start regionally just because we have a footprint here and it'd be like get the momentum but yeah it was it was kind of either or so so everything that goes along with that is like where are you going to produce that how much you how much do you have to produce like what like i don't even have that concept in my head i really do love the idea of getting a you know, hydraulic front loader and like having all the machines. And right. Stuff. Like that stuff is fun. I think like, oh, I could totally put this together. But it, is that what I want to do? Do I want to build a kitchen? So then the next step is, you know, going into outsourcing and um, co-packing. Anyways, I took a break from <laughs> the wholesale in order to start Farewell because that leap with going from a small little kind of local company. And we were regional with Whole Foods. They made it relatively easy until they didn't. And they changed the the way that they were structuring their grocery and business. Um, and so at that point, it was either I focused on the wholesale and we grew that or I focused on Farewell. And I thought that there was much more of a need for Farewell. Um, it's Again, it's a mission-based business and 
being able to explain to people why we are here, what we are doing, what the food is that you're eating, exposing people to different foods that they haven't tasted before. I think that that is still really important. I agree. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, what's your like five year, 10 year plan or do you have one or just kind of like what's what's next for for the brand? Uh, I'm going to nap a lot. (laughs) Nice. Um, Farewell. uh, You know, I want farewell to become what Sticky Fingers brick and mortar has become like I, I want it to become an institution. I want it to be there and, you know, people come back with their kids and those kids come back with their kids. Like I want it to be an old school diner. Um, we'll see, you know, it's like we're a year and a half in. (laughs) Um, and so we have some other things and ideas that we want to play with, but really we want a, a, we want it to have the foundation and the just good food, good, you know, diner style. I feel like you guys are in a great location for that to potentially happen because things are like building up around you Mm -hmm. and that, that whole area is just kind of getting more momentum and more people. And, um, so we have Gallaudet and we have, um, you know, Cap Hill people, which are a lot of families, a lot of young families. And then we have these apartment buildings going in. So those tend to be younger demographics. So it's a really good mix right now. Um, and we're not too far from kind of the downtown. So you get, some of the office buildings and like that's the perfect storm that you want is the perfect balance of daytime traffic with your offices and then you're you know kind of insulated with your residential so you're ready you're ready for those I'm ready. yeah yeah I'm ready. we're ready for you um well uh we're all going to keep our eyes on you uh loved having you here today Thank thanks so much for coming on the show and um uh, for everyone listening we're here live every wednesday from noon to noon to noon to twelve thirty. um see you next wednesday Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.